Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Hey everybody, it's Sunday morning and we're here to talk about pornography this morning. Um, So if you feel a little nervous, join me because I'm standing here talking about it with all of you looking at me on the stage. Uh, If you're ready for an adventure, uh, good. If you're not, get ready because here we go, we're going to talk about this um, topic. So... First, the disclaimer, if you have, I don't really see any, but if you have kids or teenagers in and you want to talk to them about this topic later and not have them hear it from us this morning, now's your chance. They can go help out in a Sunday school class. Otherwise, here we go. Um, This is January month-long series on sexuality. Um, So two weeks ago, you guys heard Cameron talk about why God loves sex and the devil hates it. It was a really, really good talk. Um, and then last week, he talked about, there it is, what's your orientation? So homosexuality and, and a biblical view of that. Again, a great solid talk, two weeks in a row of Cameron. Um, so here we are to follow it up and finish it up um, in this series. So um, what are some of our goals for today, you may ask? First, we're going to kind of cover background info on this topic. We're going to kind of ease into it, um, talk about some statistics, what's going on in our world related to um, pornography in particular. Um, Why do people really look at pornography? Um, This is an important question for us to ask and to have answered. Um, The issues of the heart that come along with this topic and how to overcome or help others overcome um, in this area. So, Kind of before we dive in, I think it's important to understand where we're coming from. You know, as a church, we really value um, living free from shame. This is a topic that can bring shame if somebody's struggling in it. Um, And we're not here to bring shame or to heap shame on anyone. In fact, that's a key part of the talk that we'll get into later today. Um, But our goal as a church is to love everyone as Christ loved. And... um, to help people who struggle in any area, right? So um, if you're struggling in this area today, we're going to give you good practical stuff. We're going to give you perspective. And if you are not struggling with this area, I hope that you'll become part of a church culture here at New Day that can help people who do, right? We all deal with different issues um, of our heart, of our soul, different sin issues that we struggle with. And so I hope we can create an atmosphere that's supporting and loving toward others. Cameron talked about this last week with um, homosexuality and just trying to um, love that person as God um, calls them to a life with Him. Does that make sense? Does that sound pretty good? If you are breathing and listening, nod your head for me. All right. All right, good. You're tracking. Okay, so first, we're actually going to do this a little different. Um, In just a second, Elaine Perry is going to come up and share a personal story about this topic. Um, It's really kind of what I was going to cover in the beginning anyhow, so it's some some good background on um, how this topic affects people's lives. Um, So would you welcome her as she comes? She's going to share for a couple of minutes. Yeah, give her a hand. You can have the center if you want, Elaine. Okay. All yours. Good morning. A few weeks ago when I found out what the topic was going to be this morning, I told myself that there was no way 
that I would be able to attend church today. But over the past two weeks, the Lord has put it on my heart that I need to share my son's story. My husband Rob and I have a son, Adam, who's 33 years old. He gave us no problems as a child or a teenager. And as a young adult, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, and he didn't do drugs. And we were very proud of him. When Adam was 13, we got our first computer. We made it a rule in our, in our home that whenever he was on the computer, the office door would remain open so that we could see the monitor from the hall. And we would go in and check on him periodically. And that seemed to be working. When Adam was 17, he asked if he could install an external hard drive on our computer. He said that he wanted to download music and he wanted to keep his files separate because he knew that he was going to be moving in a few years. Rob and I are not techies. We didn't really understand, but we had no reason not to believe him. So we let him install the hard drive. By the time Adam was 24, he had his own home, he had a good job, and he was taking classes at Kalamazoo Valley. And his future was very bright. But Adam had a dark secret. That external hard drive that he had asked to install a few years before had not primarily been for music. He had been sneaking into our office at night and downloading pornographic pictures of little boys. When he moved into his own home, his addiction escalated. He became friends with a pedophile online who was an elementary teacher from Florida. And they boasted to each other about their exploits. But what neither of them knew was that the FBI was watching this teacher. And within a few months, the teacher's home was raided by the FBI and his computer was seized. Those computer files led the FBI right to Adam. And in 2007, Adam's home was raided. His computer was seized as well. The only way my husband and I found out about the raid is because Adam's next door neighbor called us and told us that his home was surrounded by police. We went to his home. We were greeted by the FBI. They would tell us nothing. They wouldn't let us speak to Adam. And then Adam decided that he didn't want to tell us what was going on. So we could only surmise for the next four months what was happening. Adam did, however, give his attorney permission to contact us when he needed to. Four months later, we did get a phone call from his attorney. He told us that the FBI had found over 150,000 pornographic pictures of little boys. We confronted Adam. We were shocked. We were devastated. We asked him, was he molested? 
Did we do something? Did we say something? What happened? He explained that when he was in middle school, some boys had been talking about the darker side of the internet. And he became curious. And he started sneaking into our office at night. He said that he realized that he had a problem early on. But he was afraid to confront it. He was afraid to tell us. He said he knew very early that he was different from his friends and that his life was never going to be the same. Adam was arrested in April of 2008 and for the next six months he was moved to different county jails across the state. In October of 2008, Adam was sentenced. He did have other charges brought against him, but the judge said that the majority of the sentence was based on the fact that he considered every one of those little boys in those photos a victim. Adam was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison with no early parole and lifetime supervision. In closing, I just want to say that please, please don't think for a second that this can't happen to you or a family member or a friend because it happens to good people from good families every day. Thank you. We love you, Elaine, don't we, guys? Yeah. Thank you, Elaine. Um, I just appreciate how brave she is to share her story, you know. And um, for some people, the rabbit hole ends up going really deep. For other people, it looks different. But it illustrates the point to us that this is a real problem in our day, you know. And that's, I mean, that's what the next slides are going to say. But she said it a lot better. You, you know, everything is going fine and great but maybe it isn't, you know, and, and more and more families are having issues in this area. So that's why we want to tackle it head on, right? Yeah. I joke that you might be nervous sitting there and how nervous am I standing here, but it's very important that we talk about it and not hide from it, right? So let's dive in. This clicker is going to give me trouble. I just know you, Mr. Clicker. All right, so why talk about porn in church? Um, I put together three P's because I heard that's the thing to do if you're speaking in a church is <laughs> to have all your points start with the same letter. So, and porn starts with a P. So we got four P's. Wow. That's great alignment. That is good work, isn't it? <laughs> Pat, on back. Okay, just kidding. All right, so porn is really prevalent in our culture. It has powerful negative effects on a person, on a family. And it's a perversion of that good thing that Cameron talked about, where sexuality was designed for our good and our pleasure. And, and porn is just twisting that, and uh, the enemy of our souls is using it against us. So let's talk about each of those. Porn is prevalent. I don't think I have to convince you of this, but just in case I do need to, look at our advertisements today. Watch the Super Bowl next weekend. Um, the ads have escalated in the amount of sexuality that's 
fits in them. It's just a fact, plain and simple. What used to be something you would have to buy in an illicit magazine, you just see on a billboard. You just see um, when you're watching football and the commercial comes on. You've got to sit there with your remote if your kids are watching with you to protect them or protect yourself. Um, there's an escalation that's happened in our, in our culture and in our maybe last two generations or so. 12% of all internet sites are pornography based. Um, 10 to 14 billion, with a B, dollars are spent on pornography every year. That's as much as we spend on foreign aid, in case you were wondering. 70% of men ages 18 to 34 look at porn in a typical month. 7D, 7-0, oh my gosh. That's a lot. One in six women struggle with a porn addiction. More and more, if you look at the studies, um, it's not just guys anymore. Women are getting caught by the same thing and struggling with it. Um, this is a scary stat. <laughs> 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography already. Um, so as parents, again, we have to tackle this issue head on. We have to be prepared. It's really important. Um, I was going to say, you know, 18 to 34, I just turned 34, so I'm coming out of that window. Woohoo, Menser family. But Micah is about to turn eight, so here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, porn is powerful. So much like heroin, it changes your brain. And I've, I've read studies in preparing for this, but I'm not going to get into them in the interest of time. You actually create pathways in your brain if you regularly use this stuff. Um, that brings a person back to it again and again. Um, a tolerance is built up, like alcohol or drug use, where a user needs more. They have to escalate what they see or the amount they see, and it becomes an addiction. <clears throat> it strikes at the core of a marriage. Um, you can't regularly look at pornography and not have your marriage relationship be affected. Right? It, it comes back to what Cameron talked about. Um, God designed sex to be a bonding thing for two people. And when you bond to images on a screen, it breaks down the good bond that you want to have between husband and wife. It affects kids, right? Dads, you can't hug and love and have affection on that teenage daughter in the same way if you're looking at pictures of girls like her when she goes to bed. It will affect your relationship with your daughter. And I know when Aaliyah's that age, I want to love on her like no other. Um, so it's really, really important. Um, you know, it affects attitudes. There are studies, again, that show the attitudes and perspectives that people have about life and about other people and about themselves are affected with pornography use. That will be passed down to your kids whether you like it or not, just like everything that we do we see reflected to us in our children. Um, so it's, it's important that we work on getting, getting it right in this area. Um, the pornography industry drives slavery and abuse worldwide, 10 to $14 billion. And, you know, if you're rationalizing, you might say, well, I never pay for a service. I don't buy a magazine. But every single little mouse click or touchscreen click um, legitimizes that website, drives advertising revenue for that website, and funds an industry that puts people into slavery and abuses them, plain and simple. All right, so how is porn perverse? Like I said, it's a twisting of God's design, and really Cameron covered this really well two weeks ago, so I'm going to kind of speed through it. Go back to his um, message on the website if you want better detail. 
Um, but it was created for our good and our pleasure. Sexuality is a good thing. God didn't like go, oh my gosh, look what they're doing. I had no idea they'd like it so much. Right? <laughs> it was designed to be this powerful, spiritual, emotional experience that bonds two into one. You know, two will become one flesh. And Cameron covered that. Sexual gratification works like glue to put two people together and to be fulfilled sexually with your spouse again and again over the course of a lifetime is a really, really awesome thing. Um, But it can work against us when the enemy twists it, when it's taken out of that context. And to be bonded to lots of things or people is really destructive. Porn will shape a person. Like we said, brain-wise, yes. Spiritually, emotionally, in all ways it can shape a person over the course of time. And I'm going to skip over this great C.S. Lewis quote in the interest of time, but basically our choices that we make every day build up over a lifetime and shape us into a kind of person. What kind of person is that? We want it to be the kind of person who is built for life eternal in the presence of God and in relationship with others rather than um, the per- a person that's built for isolation. Right? So what is porn really? I'll tell you what I think it is. I think... It's a self-centered alternate reality. And I think it's a false comfort. Come on, teach it. We're going <laughs> to... Thank you. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, so, I think it's less about sex than we think it is. You know, when you dig into it, it's less about sex than might come to mind initially. And we're going to dig into these. Um, so, how is it a self-centered and alternate reality? It's really consumeristic, if you think about it, right? It's kind of like, I don't know, the grocery store, you go up to the cereal aisle. I work for Post Foods and we make cereal, right? I go in the cereal aisle and unfortunately it's not Post brand there. There's like Kellogg's and General Mills and, oh, Quaker. Malto meal, oh man. Right, there's all these choices and you can walk up, you pick what you want and you take it home. Well, in the sexual arena... There's this, like, consumeristic lifestyle that you could subscribe to where whatever you want sexually is available at the click of a button, you know? And if you use that, if you make choices to look for what you want in the moment, it develops a kind of person. It shapes a kind of person. It's not a patient person, a long-suffering person or good qualities that we want to build into ourselves over time as we mature in our relationship with God. But it's a what I want, I want it, and I want it now kind of person. Right? An instant gratification is offered to us in this arena. Right? If you're bored with what you've got, you can just click to something else. You know? Um, And I think that's a bad thing. Um, It's an alternate reality. In the real world... Sometimes we get sick. Our spouse will be sick. Sometimes they go out of town. And sexual gratification is not readily available to us for a couple days, a week, or whatever it may be. But in this alternate porn reality, there is no, you know, time off. There is no time where, like, the website shuts down and they're like, Hey, we're out of town. We'll be back on Monday, so... Just hang tight, guys, all right? We'll be back for you on Monday, but hang tight. You know, in the real world, if you go to the grocery store five minutes after it closes, you're not getting your milk, 
You've got to come back the next day. Like I said, real life happens in marriage, and sex isn't always available to you. But this alternate reality is a choice that people have in our day through technology where it's always open for business. You don't have to ever wait. And it demands nothing from the user, right? There's no give and take in pornography. It's all take. Whatever you want, whenever you want, go for it. All we want is your clicks. Maybe your money. You know, years, years ago you had to buy a magazine, but now for free at the click of a button, whatever you want. But that's not how real relationships work, right? I can't just take and take and take and take from Marilee in our marriage. Um, she'd get pretty tired of me pretty quick, wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. Relationships are built a certain way. They're built as a two-way street. I, I get to draw from my wife and I give to her. And you know what? The more I give, the more I get. And you have this positive cycle of, of, of giving toward one another. And so that's why I say that pornography is an alternate reality. It just doesn't work like real life. And if you live in that world, you become disconnected from real life. You become a, a person built for that alternate reality. So pornography is false comfort. I think this is a really, really key point. Um, and I, I was really happy to see that a maybe a liberal website like PBS agreed with me. <laughs> um, they have an article that I read about pornography, and, and they say right in there, more often than perhaps assumed, people don't use porn because it feels good, but because it makes them feel better. And that's a subtle distinction. And I don't know if you caught it. I'll, re- I'll rephrase it, right? It's not about sex. It's about making us feel better. It's about finding comfort. So maybe work didn't go good today and you come home, you know, there's a false comfort offered in this arena. Um, maybe someone rejected you in a friendship or, you know, a coworker or you know, a dating relationship, or you felt rejected by your spouse that day. There's a false comfort offered in pornography. So some of the messages that it gives, hey, you know what? Stuff's going bad for you right now, but we're always here and smiling. Like I said, the website's never down. You can, you can run away from your circumstance just quick, you know? People might reject you, but we never will. You know, hey, you don't feel like you measure up today. You had a failure at work or at school. It's okay. We're here for you. And so there's this kind of false comfort that's communicated. Separate from reality, separate from God, right? It's like people run to something else instead of God for comfort. We're going to talk more about that as we go. But at its core... Porn really rejects God's goodness. That's what I boil it down to in the end. If God is good, then His reality is something to be embraced at all times, in all circumstances. If God is good, then His comfort is enough for me, even when times are tough. And if God is really good, I know His reward waits on the other side of a negative circumstance. Even taken to its extreme, right? When someone is martyred for the faith, that's kind of the ultimate, in my opinion, (laughs) right? That's the ultimate negative circumstance. Oh boy, here they come to take me to the gallows. Oh boy, here they come to 
you know, burn them at the stake, whatever they do to martyrs. We don't see that a lot in our culture. But what waits for that person on the other side of death? It's the ultimate reward, right? God is still good despite a martyr going to their death because God can redeem all things. God can redeem any circumstance and He'll redeem it eternally. He's not going to just like give you a hot dog at the pearly gates. Hey, I know you had to get burned at the stake, but it's a chili dog. It's really good, you know. It's an eternal redemption, you know. Goodness and a reward is given day after day after day forever, which will make any negative circumstance pale over time, right? Um, So that's our challenge, really, is to... We'll get into this in detail, but to learn to channel our need for comfort to God, to recognize God's goodness outside of our present circumstance and beyond or or at a deeper level below what our present circumstance is. So Marilee has a few things. Yay, my turn. I'm just so proud of Bill for being willing to speak on this. He's amazing and we thank you i thank you it's something that we need when when he was first talking about it we both would just look at each other and go like how are we going to do that and just feel like oh and then as we got into studying it we're like how can we not how can this is so such a huge issue you saw the statistics how can we not offer hope and there is hope this is not a um dead end forever Horrible. There is a way out if you are caught in this or you know someone who's caught in this. Um, I, I am really impacted by the idea that it's a false comfort. What that tells me is that comfort is super important. If we're creating a false one, um, we really need a real one. So comfort is so important. It's, it's vitally important to humankind. And um, it's so much... It's so important that Jesus said that it would be better for him to leave. Jesus, flesh and blood, he told his disciples, it's going to be better if I leave so that the Father can send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Wow. Comfort must be really important to humankind. And, um, you know, the Holy Spirit's purpose then is to live in, in us as Christians so that we're never alone so that comfort is always available and to convict us. And these things are necessary because the once perfect world is now full of sin. We were never meant to deal with pain. We were never meant to deal with death or sickness or heartache. And because we're dealing with that all the time now in this world, we have then a need for constant comfort. And so we have the comforter in us. And he knows what we need, guys. He knows how to meet those needs. He knows how to comfort us in a truly fulfilling, deep way. Not a surface way. Not a way that would, oh, make us feel a little better for an hour. And then we feel terrible, you know, the rest of the time. No, it's true comfort. Um, And so what that looks like is when we're stressed, let's say... You have a rough day. You're stressed. You're overwhelmed. So what that looks like is we go to God. We go right to him. And he meets us in that place where we are. And he comforts us. And he, um, because he's so good, he'll also meet our physical and emotional needs. And so um, he might have sleep for you. He might have some really nice 
fulfilling sleeper. You just feel amazing when you wake up. Um, let's say you're sad and depressed and you feel comfort from him because you went to him. And guess what? He might have a friend for you to connect with and you really feel comforted and built up by your friend. Or he might, you know, have um, comfort planned for you for you to have sex with your spouse. That's a comfort. Um, let's say you're really worn out and instead of going to your phone to mess around or in this case look at porn but it really applies to anything that we're seeking um, as comfort outside of God um, let's say you're worn out and, and you go to him God I'm worn out and oh you just know where I'm at and you're just eating this like food and all of a sudden you feel so satisfied in your stomach because the food was so fulfilling to you he's using a physical thing to, to express that comfort as well. But, my friends, we go wrong when we bypass that going to God step and we go straight to that comfort thing. We thought, oh, I felt better last time I ate that food or I felt pretty good, you know, when I just talked to my friends about everything that's going on. And, and we miss it because we didn't go to Him first. It didn't come through Him. And so, um, and... All right. Yes. So we try to provide. We that's us trying to provide our own comfort. And um, we see this. The first time this happened was with Eve in Genesis three six. It says Eve was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom that it would offer. So she took some fruit and ate it. She wanted wisdom. But she didn't go to God. She just went right to the fruit and took it and ate it. And um, her result was shame. And just like anyone who um, goes to porn for comfort, the result is always shame. And how different would it have been if she would have went to God? God, wisdom. I, I'm, I'm really, you know, impressed by wisdom. I'd really like more wisdom. Like, could you give me some of that? You're really wise. I want to be like you. What would he have said to her probably? He probably would have given it to her. And James, we know that he says, um, God says that he gives wisdom liberally if you ask in faith. So that might have been a, a better end for her, huh? <laughs> And for <laughs> okay, so um, I want to give you um, a, an analogy, I guess I'll call it, of two board games. How many of you like to play board games? All right, me too. Okay, so you know the board game, there's a set of rules, right? So this board game over here is called Slavery to Porn. The one who made this game is Satan, and he has a set of rules for this game over here. Then we have a board game over here, and it's called Freedom from Porn, and God made this game, and he has different rules. Okay, let's talk about this one first. This one over here, but I need my notes, and I need to point at the board game. Oh, how am I going to do this? Okay, <laughs> shift. This is the, the um, enemy's board game, okay? So... This board game, it's dark. There's no light. It's dark here. There's tons of shame. It's full of shame. Just shame is surrounding it completely. It's hidden. Um, and, the, and the progression of your little piece on the game 
is a spiral that just goes inward and goes deeper and deeper and deeper. There's no end. It's just deeper and more and more spiraling inward and downward. Um, there's complete hopelessness. The entire atmosphere of this game is there is no way out. This is, this is how it's always going to be. This is where you can um, have comfort. And it's just all those enemies' lies. Those are his rules of his game. And people stay stuck in there because of that. But guess what? At any time, if you're the little pawn on that game board, you can get out of that game and come over here. And all you have to do is step into the light and choose to just step out of it. It's as simple as that to switch game boards. Now, this board um, is, is God's game board, and it is his rules, and it's in the light, and there is no shame whatsoever in the path, the progression of the board is one that leads to freedom into a truly full life. On this board, there's hope and encouragement for you. There's love. There's healing. There's true comfort from God because you need comfort. You need that void filled. And so he fills that void, and you can progress to freedom. But you get to choose which board game you're going to play on. It's your choice. So um, I just want to speak to the women for a minute. Um, if you are a woman struggling with this area, we saw that that's, uh, from the statistic, that's not extremely unlikely. Um, I just want to say that there's hope for you, too. Um, the two game boards, same rules apply. You can hop right over to this game board and get freedom. Bill's going to talk uh, more about that, too, of, of practical steps to um, get out. Um, and I also want to talk to the women who have a husband or a significant other or a fiance who is caught in pornography. And I want you to know it's not your fault that they are. It is not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, know that your um, spouse or significant other has a void that they need filled from God. So you can pray. And... Um, and you can have a relationship of um, healing. God, you know, that's very hurtful to a relationship, but God can heal that. There's comfort for you as well. Forgiveness is a key part, and, and love um, can um, grow. And, um, but I want you to know that the problem isn't you. Uh, the problem is that they have a need for comfort that can only be met by God. Now, you being their spouse, God will often use you as his conduit of love and comfort for your spouse, but it's not your fault. All right, back to you, honey. All right. Thank you, Marilee. That was excellent. Good points. Good, good points. Um, let's talk about practical stuff um, for you if you're struggling or for those that you may help in this church culture of helping people get free from this area. Um, so, I want to talk about the standard for success. I want to talk about um, God's response to those who struggle and, and practical steps of what to do to overcome. All right? So, <clears throat> oh, I was going to crack a joke. I almost forgot. Oh. Marilee had her two game boards, right? And lately, Micah goes over to my mom's house and, and plays Life. Does anybody remember the old commercial 
Like if you're about my age and you're a kid and they, and they come on and they show the game board and it looks so fun and it's like, you can be a winner at the game of life. Anyway, there's the joke. Had to get it out there. Let's be winners at the game of life. <laughs> All right, so the standard for success in this area and every area of our lives is actually perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, and uh, in this area in particular, Jesus said in Matthew 5, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's pornography and that's even smaller things, right? So the standard is so high. Perfection. That's all that's expected of you. No big deal, right? Oh, what? You fall short of perfection? Welcome to the crowd. Me too. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So God's standard is perfection and we all fall short. How is there hope in that message? Well, his standard doesn't get diminished to offer us hope. The standard stays perfection, but he makes a way. Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, died to make sacrifice for our sins, and to give us a way to come to God. So you're not perfect. That's right. Jesus was, and he's made a way for you to have relationship with God the Father. And in the Bible it says that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. So if he's begun a good work in you because you've accepted his salvation through Jesus Christ and you're starting to be a follower of God or you're far along that path, he's going to make you perfect. You know? And, and maturity in Christianity is, is moving that direction. Ultimately, perfection is there for us eternally in the presence of God. You know, when he makes all things new, when Jesus comes back, and in the new heaven and the new earth are ours. We will be perfected. But in this life, our standard is perfection. And you know what? I fall short of it pretty much every day. Okay, every day. You got me. But that's not hopeless. That's knowing, you know, I get encouraged by knowing that he doesn't reduce his standard. Because if he reduced it for me, he'd probably reduce it for those who wronged me. And that wouldn't be just. Right? <laughs> that wouldn't be just. But he's made a way where I can have relationship with him, where he doesn't heap shame on me for falling short, but he offers acceptance. He offers love through Jesus Christ. And I know he'll work on my heart. He'll mature me. He'll lead me along that path. And that is great and brings hope. So how does God respond to those who are struggling when they're falling way short of perfection, right? When we all fall way short of perfection. What's God's view on that? And I propose that he offers us protection from shame. He offers us grace, mercy, forgiveness, and a call to live free and pure. But in that order. And let's look at a story from John to illustrate it. So the religious people of the day um, caught a woman in adultery. And they said, everybody pick up your stones. It's time to stone this lady. Let's take her to Jesus and see what he says along the way. Maybe we'll catch him too because we don't like that guy too much, right? So they bring out this woman to Jesus. They've got stones in their hands ready to stone her. That was common for people caught in certain sins. They would stone them to death. Uh, and they say, hey Jesus, what do you think? What should we do with her? Hey, hey, hey. And they keep questioning him. Jesus straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back, actually. There's that order, right? Jesus first protected this woman from the shame heaped on her and from the stones people were going to literally throw at her and kill her. The first thing he did was send them away. The second thing he did was say, neither do I condemn you. That's that grace and mercy. And then third, a call to live free and pure. Now, I don't know about you. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I had it so backwards that I never heard the first two (laughs) for years. I heard the call, go and sin no more, and, and that's all I heard. You know, and I felt a lot of shame, like, oh, his call is go and sin no more. His standard is perfection, and I keep messing it up. I had it totally backwards. The first thing Jesus would say to you if you're struggling with pornography is, don't be ashamed, you know? And the first thing he would say to you if anyone picked up a stone to throw at you for having a struggle in this area is that he'd he'd send them away. He'd protect you from that. The second thing he would do is say, neither do I condemn you. But the third thing he would do is call you to relationship, call you to live free and pure and abundant, full, happy life following him which does mean coming out of pornography right but it goes in it has to go in that order it just doesn't work it just doesn't work if you try to go backwards all right so practical stuff i think if you want to overcome or help somebody overcome in this area you got to get to know god's goodness firsthand you got to get to know God's comfort for yourself. And then get started on a winning snowball. That's what I'm calling it. We'll talk about each of these. Maybe. Here it comes. <laughs> so get to know God's goodness firsthand. I've got just a smattering, I'll call it, of verses. Hopefully to whet your appetite about how good God is. Hopefully you'll take that and you'll go. Hopefully you're already experiencing God's goodness by being part of this church. It's just part of the identity of who we are at New Day is that you're going to hear that the Father loves you. God is a loving Father and He loves you so much. Hang around and you will experience God's goodness firsthand. I know I have specifically because I've been a part of this church. But God offers you forgiveness. In Psalm it says, As far as the east is from the west, that's how far He's removed your sin from you if you believe in Him. There's protection from shame like we talked about. Neither do I condemn you. There's love. In Romans it says, He demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's acceptance. In John it says, To all who received Him, to those who called on His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. So you're His children. You're adopted into His family. He loves and accepts you. There's hope. I know the plans I have for you, declares the the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is good. God is really, really good. I'm already losing it. All right, get to know God's comfort. (laughs) I'm going to lose it, so here it comes. 
How does God want to comfort you personally? This is critical, not only to overcoming pornography use, but to overcoming abuse of alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, an unbalanced, unhealthy habit of reading novels, um, you know, chocolate eating that's unhealthy and unbalanced, all kinds of things that we lean on for comfort instead of, like Marilee said, receiving those through God and His time and His way and how He offers it to us. But how do you stop leaning on some other crutch for comfort? Find out how He wants to comfort you personally. This is why I said I was going to cry. So when uh, I was about seven years old, my dad died. And um, so obviously there was a funeral, right? And so we go to the funeral. I'm seven-year-old Bill at a funeral. There's a lot of adults walking around, you know. You're kind of like in a sea of legs, you know, because <laughs> everyone's twice as tall as you. And it's like, it's a little bit confusing, to say the least, when you're that age, trying to understand what's going on. Everybody's crying, comforting each other. My mom was great to me. My family was great to me. But no matter what you do at that age, it is a confusing time. And you're the kid, and you can kind of feel alone and confused. So I've prayed through this in a healing and restoration kind of fashion before. Um, but a couple months ago, Marilee was praying with me uh, about this. And so um, in a state of prayer, in a place of prayer, with her kind of leading the way for me, I remembered that. You know, I pictured being in that place. I told God how I felt alone and confused. Um, you know, and we asked him what he wanted to do with that. And um, so he said, um, well, he reminded me that my second grade teacher came to the funeral. And I kind of remember being there and all the confusion around me or whatever, and kind of turning around and seeing her sitting there on the couch. She doesn't know anybody but me. And, like, the windows are behind her and the light's kind of streaming in. It was very angelic, at least in the way I remembered it. And, um, and there she is just to give me a hug, you know. And uh, God said that he, he had made a plan for my comfort. <laughs> it was really powerful. It meant so much to me that God would say that, that God did that for me, that he, you know, led her. I don't even know if she was a Christian, but he brought her to that funeral just for me. <laughs> and that's what I mean about get to know God's comfort firsthand. Yeah. So, where do you think I go when I need comfort these days? <laughs> Right? I believe in God's goodness and His ability to comfort me more than ever before. And I think God wants to do that for each of you. You know? Whatever you've been through or you are going through, you can bring that to God. You can tell Him how you feel. And you can ask Him, you know, what's up? What do you want to say to seven-year-old Bill? You know? as I remember that situation, or what do you want to say to me right now while I'm going through this? And he's got a plan for your comfort. And if you find it, it's going to be really, really good. All right. On a simpler level, dog ears.
So, not to be confused with like going to the fair and eating elephant ears, that could be a comfort for some of you. For me, uh, dog ears, we, you know, growing up we always seem to have some kind of lab mix in the house. And even today I've got a black lab coonhound mix in the house. And they've got these like nice floppy velvety ears. And, um, you know, just pursuing God's comfort, he told me, dog ears have always been there for you. And that was one of the ways I comforted you. Because it's true, I've just always loved, my mom's even got pictures of me cuddled up with her one dog, Zoe, on the couch, you know, after a basketball game or something. And uh, just cuddled up. I would even come home from uh, work when I was in high school. I worked at Kmart just down the street from our house one summer. And I would come home on lunch break and take a little nap with Zoe all cuddled up. <laughs> and God said, I provided for your comfort those dogs, you know. You, you just get so much out of that. And so now... Uh, you know, every time I pet our dog, Moo Moo, who looks like a cow, <laughs> I receive that as comfort from God. I even tell him, I don't know if you, if you don't own an, an animal, then maybe you don't get this, but I'm like, oh, you're God's comfort, little fella. You're God's comfort for me. <laughs> and then my wife and kids, God's been teaching me more and more, not just to enjoy them like I always have or on the same level, but... When I come home from work, it's been a tough day or whatever, to receive that smile from Marilee, that hug, or the kids, just hilarious things that they do (laughs) at the ages of five and seven as comfort from him. And more and more I've been able to. I'm way way over, but we're wrapping up. This is the last slide. Thanks for hanging in. Um, It's a big topic, and we've gone a little bit over because I wanted to do it justice. Um, Get started on a winning snowball. So a winning snowball is in there because I wanted to imply that you can gain momentum in overcoming, right? If we were to get the snowball rolling down the hill like in the old Frost of the Snowman cartoon or whatever, it gets bigger. as It gains size and it gains speed. Mm-hmm. And I would propose that overcoming um, in this area and in other areas is the same way. In 1 Corinthians it says, flee sexual immorality. And Cameron covered that. <clears throat> And that's really, really important. It's a really, really practical step to flee sexual immorality. (laughs) That means don't put yourself in an environment where there's things that are enticing. That means maybe don't subscribe to the magazines you used to subscribe to. Not pornographic ones necessarily, but other ones, you know? Other ones that have stuff that you don't want in your house that create an environment that tempts you, you know? Do you have a favorite TV show and you kind of look the other way, but you know it's got stuff that tempts you? Flee sexual immorality. Create a place, an environment around you where you don't have to be on guard and 100% strong all the time to win. But if you're having a weak day or a weak moment, you're not immediately tempted by what's around you. Okay, very practical. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is, to me, this is a turning point, right? Flee sexual immorality. Resist the devil. But it says he will flee from you. And I think there's a turning point in winning where you have run from sin to God. You've received his comfort and his goodness And you and he together turn on that thing, and boy, does it get scared, right? And it starts to run from you. And there's a turning point in overcoming where you don't run from sin anymore, but it runs from you. 
And that's really exciting. Um, In the meantime, Psalm says that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So while you're struggling, while you have not yet reached the turning point, God is there for you. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling with pornography, right after you screw up, don't go shed a thousand tears before you feel like you can come to God. That's a lie. Instead, God is an ever-present help. Right after you just screwed up and you realize it and come to your senses, pray. God, I'm sorry. I know you protect me from shame. I know you can forgive me. I know what I did is wrong. I confess it to you. I receive your forgiveness. I want to live free and pure. I want to receive your comfort instead. Help me to do that. And that can lead to that turning point. You know, you can catch it earlier and earlier. You can catch it instead of right after you screwed up. You can catch it when you're tempted in any area of life. But this as well. You can catch it when you're tempted. God, I'm, I'm feeling tempted. You're a help right now in, in the midst of that. Run to Him for comfort. I think we've covered this pretty well. It is so, so important to learn what it means to receive comfort from God and embrace His reality. As you receive God's comfort, as you learn how much Father God loves you as a son and a daughter, you can embrace His reality because you believe He's good through and through. It gets easier Just like the pathways are created in the brain when someone regularly uses pornography, we can create positive pathways in our brain. Wear out those pathways that run to God for comfort. um, Those pathways that proclaim His goodness in any circumstance. Alright? So we're going to wrap up. Would you just stand with me? And I want to pray with you. uh, And then we'll dismiss. All right. God, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being part of New Day Community Church here. This family, God, that values knowing who you are, knowing your goodness, knowing your love, and living in a community that can encourage us to get to know you better, can encourage us when we don't see your goodness, and can encourage us to learn how to see your goodness, God. Help us to be a church that is helpful to people who struggle in the area of pornography, God. Help us to be a church that doesn't heap shame, but protects from shame, that shows the way to forgiveness and relationship with you, and takes people by the hand as they walk into freedom, purity, and a full life with you, God. I just pray that anyone here who does struggle would see your love, would be able to look in your eyes and receive those things from you today, God. Help us to defy the statistics at New Day Community Church. Help us to defy those statistics and live free and pure and in community and in relationship with each other. We pray you build strong marriages, strong teenagers who grow up knowing you and living life in relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you guys um, for encouraging me and Marilee as we talked about a difficult topic. The prayer team, yeah, okay, thank you.